is what they mean by It's like a glow Get on down Cause she's going down on me Going down Watch it jump Teacher's going down Wow We're going down Watch it jump Teacher's going down Wow Wow School days Teacher taught me everything School days What and what is due School days What I heard that school going School days You just heard School Days from Venom's Primeval from 1988. This is the Patreon show, Springtime Rad Shit We're Digging. <laughs> I'm this recommendal podcast. I'm Mark. I'm Jason. Uh, it's been a while since we've done a Patreon show. Uh, <clears throat> yes. you, that was the absurd title I gave Mark to read off. Uh, <laughs> we probably will change that before we post it, but uh, it was it's a working title, as they say, yes. a holding pattern. But... Um, yeah, we decided to do something a little bit more um, relaxed, fun, uh, loose than what we've been doing. Obviously, we have uh, previously done those three special Thrash series Patreon shows for all of you. Which are kind of um, just like normal episodes. Yeah, really <laughs> just kind of souped up kind of normal episodes with some kind of like more probably looseness in the in the talk sets a little bit, but still like more planned and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
Uh, especially after Neurosis, which I, I know patrons have gotten us a lot of really great feedback about how the those shows are going um, and that most people are really, really digging them. In fact, I just literally read a um, a tweet that somebody just sent me. And so we actually just recorded an In Solitude show. So spoiler for our, our patrons, but that's all right. That's why you're patrons. You get to know these things. And we read a bunch of letters and different things like that. And I literally just got this after we finished recording <laughs> it. So I was like, ah, bummer. But uh, yeah, school days, Venom. What's uh, what's... you know, uh, Primeval <clears throat> is something that I've been listening to quite a bit over the last probably four months. Yeah, you've been talking about it quite a bit or so. It's um, mm. uh, Demolition. Uh, oh fuck, what is his name? It's basically after Kronos. I'm not sure exactly what the circumstances were, but this is uh, Abaddon and Mantis and uh, Tony Demolition Dolan, I believe his name is Tony Dolan. Okay, which he's a much better bass player. Than Kronos, and actually, I think he's a better singer than in this register as Kronos. He's got more personality, and maybe it's just because it was his first record, and he, yeah, you know, all the the history behind all that, and so he kind of like put extra into it. But how many records was he on? I honestly don't know. Just a couple. Just a couple. Um, okay. Well, they're in like the the Venom Inc. Yeah. Uh, oh, is Tony Dolan with Venom Inc. now? Yeah. So that's basically that Primeval era coming back. And I saw them a couple years ago. They played here at uh, Hamtramck at a um, small venue smalls which is an mm-hmm. appropriate name one of the best shows i've ever seen um probably 150 people there i was right on the stage on the side everybody was singing every fucking note to every song it was yeah. just it's fucking magic it was great everybody's yeah. so fucking pumped that's <clears throat> better than when we saw him in milwaukee oh yeah yeah absolutely so tony's a better Front man than Kronos. I mean, it's okay. Our patrons are the only ones that are going to hear this, Mark. So if you if you have to reveal I, some dark you know, I've secrets, I've seen. I saw. I saw Kronos. I've seen just the Kronos led Venom. Yeah, and it's. I mean, Kronos is great. He's he's Kronos, but this is much more energy. It's like a little club show. Yeah. Um. This is like the the energy I imagine them playing, like you know, an eight nineteen eighty mm-hmm. kind of shit. So it was. Yeah. It was just just the. The level of intensity was much more, just the intimacy of it was better than seeing like a big stage production. Sure. Yeah, and I, um, I'm not familiar with Primeval, so that's kind of fun to to sort of be doing this and and kind of what the premise of this is is just it's just kind of records, whether old, new, whatever that we've been sort of listening to, um, you know, the last few months. Not necessarily like stuff we'd put on year end or, or whatever, but just things we're we're kind of into that. It's kind of fun to explore and talk about and share with each other yeah. a little bit. Um, this is kind of a sequel to Teacher's Pet, sort of. It's it kind, kind of, of is. In, it's, the, in the sleazy, yeah. <laughs> dirt ball kind of era. Um, <clears throat> Not a whole lot of these types of you know songs are really... I don't think anybody does this anymore. This this kind of... Well, I'll plead ignorance because I don't listen to a ton of like new... Um, you know, more traditional heavy metal stuff, but I don't think anybody really has that kind of sleazy sense of humor that w- existed kind of in this yeah, era. I think you got Steel Panther and that's about it. But Steel, Steel Panther is doing it like so pastiche. It's it, not it's, really. Yeah. I, I've seen them once. Have you? Yeah. And I, I wasn't really very impressed. It just seems like kind of exploitive toward women in a shitty way. And this is like, it's like the, the reverent, you know, like uh, hot for teacher Sure. Van Halen vibe is basically what it is. Yeah. And it's just, it's basically like an adolescent child fantasizing about a teacher, which it's fine. <laughs> and 
it's, it's funny I'll nobody's no getting more. hurt you yeah. know yeah <clears throat> it's a dumb as song, a teacher i'm t- i'm bleeding the fifth it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a it's a weird like i i consciously avoid putting hot for teacher like on playlists just because yeah. i'm like I don't want the just, teacher's pet teacher's wet. You still want to. Yeah. You don't want like a misconstrued, you know, it's a cool fucking song that I don't really think about the lyrics, but like if somebody listened to the lyrics and applied them, I'm like, yeah, that's not, not a good situation. Yeah. It doesn't quite work for a now primeval AP. as a whole. Does, is this like a, a song that you would say is like, no typify, like what's the sound of primeval? Is it typical? It's, venom? It's kind of, it's kind of classic, kind of classic venom mm-hmm. more. It's, because um, this is fuck. This is like f- five albums in or something. Seven third? years after the debut, or more yeah. perhaps or um, eight years. Seven. The eighties, the first record. Is it eighty? Yeah, I think so. Eighty-two is black black metal. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so it's like those guys have kind of like you know figured their shit out a little bit. So this this one's more just kind of a a stupid fun. It's the last track on the album. Yeah. Um, they, I do not believe they played it when I, <laughs> when I saw them. Not. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just, it's more kind of more of the same of Venom, but it's more kind of refined and with, um, with Dolan on bass, it's just cool to hear good bass playing yeah. and not just burn, 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 burn. Cause Venom like is more of, I've always thought more of a live band. They're not like, you don't pull out black metal because it sounds so great. Like yeah. Venom was great because it's all these like muscly guys singing about Satan and beating their instruments, you and know, it wearing was like leather and yeah. And explosions everywhere. And, you know, it was, that, that was kind of the, kind of the vibe. So it just, it's just a fun record. It's I, like barbarian. Really like it. Yeah. Kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I'm familiar up really through their first four. Um, those are the ones I have possession, I think is the last possessed one. possessed. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. That's the, that's the last one I have. Um, and I'm really like a big, um, What's the third one? Um, something Satan. Oh, in League with Satan. At War with Satan. At War with Satan. That's what it is. In League with Satan is a song from either Black Metal or Welcome to Hell, I believe. And then yeah, At War I'm with real, Satan is their third one. Bad. Let me, I'm going to look up a discography real quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, At War with Satan's 84. Yep. Then there was Possessed. Yep, that's the last one. 85, Calm Before, St- Before the Storm. Mm-hmm. I believe that's the last one with Kronos. Okay. Yeah, and then they went to then Primeval was. Uh, so what's the gap between like Primeval and uh, what was kind of the Kronos comeback record? The Cast Upon Stone. Cast in Stone was ninety seven. Yeah, because that's so what he we was saw out in Milwaukee. He was out for ten years. Were they putting? Were there more records after Primeval? Yeah, Primeval, Temple of Ice, The Wastelands, and then um, Cast in Stone. Okay, I guess I didn't. Which I don't. That. Those things are kind of hard to find. Um, I'm sure a limited print run. Yeah, these are it's like uh or like they've never been repressed. Under one flag. Lack of lack of interest. Okay, yeah, under one flag put out uh the holy terror stuff, I believe. Yeah. I think they were they like one of the subsidiaries of like Roadrunner or something weird like that? That or Music for Nations or Okay. Yeah. Um, they put out like creator shit and mm-hmm. but yeah, there's then Cast in Stone, then what is it? Resurrection, I think there's that's an original. Oh, no, it's not. Is that B sides and shit? No, that's another uh, full length, but it doesn't have um, Abaddon on drums. That's just Mantis and Kronos. And then there was some. Most of that stuff post. Even Cast in Stone's pretty boring. I went back and listened oh, to it. Oh, yeah. I, I um, owned it because, like, it was like something that was happening around it was, that It was time. a huge deal. I mean, like, 
the original Venom lineup got back together when black metal was, you know, at the height of its popularity. Yeah. It was kind of a Kronos was on a huge Cradle deal filth from dusk. Yeah. Yeah. Shores. Yeah. So there was a, so like, I think if you get everything up until <laughs> cast in stone, it's probably more interesting, but I honestly haven't heard wastelands or temple of ice, but yeah, I'd like to check them out. Yeah. Especially if you're into the kind of primeval stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we we're due to do a Venom show someday, but Venom's also interesting in that they're they're very samey in certain ways. I don't know, like you said, they're more influential than they are than like you put a Venom record on <clears throat> and listen to start to finish or something. You know, yeah, I don't do that very often. The so. weird weird stuff. Yeah, primeval like uh, I- <clears throat> black metal when that uh, they reissued that again in the nineties. And I listen to that a lot. Mm-hmm. But Black, Black Metal is very listenable compared to... Welcome to Hell is a little rough at times. Production's pretty pretty rough on that as well, I would say. Black Metal kind of like all the threads. And and really, I mean, the title track with At War of Satan is fucking incredible. And I Buried mean, Alive. Teacher's yeah. Pet. Yeah. Um, oh, shit. I guess that... Yeah, it's so... Because the first Venom I ever got was that... Ina Klein and Knock Music, the live record. Oh, got it. So it's got like all so the best like greatest hits. Yeah. Yeah. And that I actually got signed at that show when we saw him in 97 for the Cast yeah. in Stone. That you've, we've got the that picture of. <sighs> yeah, with, with us. With Kronos. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if I got anything signed, but I might not have owned anything by Venom at that point. Yeah, I think you got some Napalm. Didn't you get some Napalm stuff signed? Oh, I got a bunch of stuff signed, but just okay. not by Venom. Okay. Yeah, so. Yeah, I've got all three signatures on it, which is pretty That's fucking cool. Pretty extraordinary. I bought yeah. some frames on Yeah, I saw go to Michaels.com and you can get them for five dollars a piece. No shit. Yeah. I think they're all gone because I might have bought all their inventory, which is about seven. <laughs> so so speaking of nerdy shit, I you saw what I did with Michaels uh recently. Um I <clears throat> bought like a, a weird display case that my um Funko's can sort of all go in. Was it for it like flags or something? Huh? Wasn't it supposed to be for flags? Oh, I don't know what the fuck it's for. But yeah, it's a bunch of Funkos <laughs> and it like lights up and shit. So yeah. Mark, uh, Mark and I actually got together in a strange um, non-podcasting capacity like a month or two ago. and We just watched movies. Yeah, watched... Uh, oh, the Raid 2 Redemption. What'd you think of yes. that? That was great. Yeah. I mean, that's some... I'd heard a lot about it. I mean... What, when did it come out originally? Early 2000s? 2006, I think, or something like that. So I think it was right after... Um, like that influence... Did that influence Old Boy or was it opposite? Old Boy came before, okay. I believe. But I think both movies like influenced like John Wick and... Oh, absolutely. Um, that kind of... That, that style of... The whole... The first time I saw that Old Boy, basically side-scroller video game fight... I was just like, where he's got the hammer. the hammer. Yeah. It's like, holy fuck. Fucking incredible. And I love that it's like this kind of punchy knot... Like the, um, I've got the Criterion Lone Wolf and Cub. Yeah, yeah. And the main guy's kind of fat, mm-hmm. but he like sells the action hero thing, and it doesn't bother me one one bit. You know, it's kind of like what <clears throat> I I love about um, I, maybe it's like a Korean thing with you know old boy being Korean, but like the the main the dad from like Parasite. Yeah, he's also like kind of paunchy and um. Uh, like a bunch of uh, uh, Bonjouhos, like other older movies I've been seeing, he's like a consistent character in all those, and he yeah. just kind of is just this dumpy dude. But I it's just like, I just like the the very everyman look. Yeah. But then it just like flips your expectations on, yeah. wow, this kind of tubby dude is fucking kicking ass. And next time we get together, um, 
we'll have to watch Train to Busan because that's another kind of Korean classic, and that's fun to see on the big screen. Well, I've got the. I'm still pure on, visceral on the the docket is uh, the whaling. I still haven't watched oh, that yet. I'm I'm excited to talk. to You, you said about it was that. a long one, so I want to start. It's like it. two and a half or so. Okay, yeah. I want to start it at a reasonable hour. Yeah, it's definitely the the last act is like. Yeah, it's it's pretty harrowing shit. It's good. Yeah, you'll like it. You'll like it. It's right up your alley. It's fucking harrowing, harrowing and bleak yeah, and bleak and all kinds perfect. of shit. Yeah, and we watched uh, uh, Let's Scare Jessica to Death, which I had heard. That's like one of Stephen King's favorite movies, and it's just like what one year of those was that? Things, you remember? Huh? You remember what year that was? Seventy one. So it's like predates Exorcist and Chainsaw. It's got that Last House on the Left kind of eight, uh, 16 millimeter vibe to the yeah to everything. But yeah, it was the very endings, just like. <laughs> and you know like the more i thought about it like her acting the the woman that plays jessica she she plays like that kind of like teetering on the edge of mental illness kind of thing like pretty well yeah i mean it's it's almost like borderline shelly duvall syndrome or something but yeah which the more i read about the shelly duvall stuff i'm just it depresses me unfortunately because i love kubrick but i'm you do what you gotta do for a good performance. No, I, 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 I get it. You know, I, I'm never gonna not watch Kubrick, but it's just like. I mean, I'm sure after a couple, you know, ten, fifteen years after that, she probably appreciated that she at least had something that people cared about instead yeah. of Popeye, instead of Popeye and, or. Uh, I think she was she was in some Altman films. I think she might have been Nashville or something. I think like you're that. right. Yeah. Oh no, she's not in Nashville. She's in the one I told you about. Um, three women. With okay. uh, Sissy Spacek. It's really, but really no, cool. Nobody movie. knows that. Huh? If you say The Shining, people know that. I know. I know. But yeah. I know. But, yeah. Hey, there's do you, some cra- Do you think Altman gave her the same kind of what for? And No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Memorize these lines, you skinny bitch. Yeah. God. <clears throat> Kubrick's a... Kubrick's a maniac. But he's a strange guy. You know? A lot of these geniuses are strange, strange folks. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm, you know, I would have probably put up with it as well. If, you know, depending on, well, just because, you know, reputation, but it's like all, I don't think we have, we're not going to have those types of directors anymore. No, you can't, not, not in this modern day and age. No. Um, I think to, you know, artists are just the, that kind of world is not made for really sensitive people. Um, you can kind of get chewed up by some of that, I think. And so you see, well, I think it, the artists are so sensitive that they want their own world to be represented. That's true. That yeah. at least that's how I would come. Like if I'm trying to justify his behavior, I guess I just think of the whole industry itself is like pretty rough, like in not just film, but like music. Like, you know, you think about like Hendrix or Kurt Cobain, like one of the reasons these people couldn't like handle that shit is because it's like, you gotta the, be fucking tough. The machine. Yeah. Yeah. The problem, yeah, the problem with commerce and art is they don't really go together very well. Mm-mm. That's why it's so rare to have like a an incredible like mainstream album or a mainstream movie that's like surpasses just yeah. being like okay, you know. Yeah, yeah, I can't think of too too many recent ones that like were, you know. I mean, Tarantino's kind of gets away with doing whatever he kind of wants, you know. Um, but that's pretty rare. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm just trying to think. There's a, like I can count them on one hand. I don't watch. Ton, do you want to go into some movies? Yeah, we watched. Funny. Sure. Um, I watched. Uh, I've got Showtime and HBO on my. Okay. My Prime right now, and I just went through and randomly clicked on a movie because it had Robert Patrick, the 
T2 Terminator guy who's now also, in his Also in his the 70s. late seasons of X-Files. <laughs> I actually like that season quite a bit. Yeah. He's I, in two seasons, actually. Was the last two? Mm-hmm. I actually liked him a lot. Just Well, the last two canon seasons before like the comeback ones recently. Yeah, I didn't really care about those quite as much. But it's this movie called Tone Deaf that has... Did you ever watch um, uh, Silicon Valley? Oh, did I? Love it. The main... um, Fuck, I don't don't remember her name. The girl? Yeah, basically the only woman. not, Not the venture capital lady, but the younger one. She's also from Sex Drive. One of my favorite teen comedies All where right. he meets a girl on the internet and she's his best friend and she decides to help her best friend drive across country so he can meet this online girl to get laid. Seth Green plays an Amish guy who fixes their car. It's a great <laughs> fucking movie, man. Interesting. So, yeah. Sex Drive. Highly recommend it. But yeah, so. this one came out, I believe it came out uh, 2020. Okay. It's uh, executive produced by Robert Patrick. And he, she's basically this awful millennial person that uh, everybody you know tells her that she's a talented piano mm-hmm. player because that's her passion, and she gets fired from her job for being terrible, and then she decides to like do an Airbnb just to get away from everything. Yeah. And Robert Patrick's put up. He has this Airbnb, and I'm not sure where the hell it's supposed to be. Maybe uh, upstate New York or something. And he's slowly falling into the depths of dementia. Ooh. And is becoming a serial killer. And so she's staying at the house and he's before he completely loses his mind for some reason, he wants to feel how it feels to murder somebody. Wow. <clears throat> so he kills like a family friend. Um, he lost a daughter who was also a, a pianist or whatever. Or no, his wife slit her own throat in front of the piano uh, for her suicide. Um, so there's all this like back and forth between him, you know, seeing her playing awfully but like has this he can't do anything to her because of the yeah you know issues with his you know his wife and his daughter and all this stuff but it's a interesting cheap horror thriller yeah did all right though yeah it's fun speaking of, let's see recent horror for me i finally you're gonna be embarrassed for me um <laughs> i finally watched hellraiser 2 how'd you like it really liked it i thought it was i almost like it it's 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 of like equal status. I think Hellraiser one is probably realistically a better movie, but Hellraiser yeah. two is almost more fun. I love what I really like because I I was a huge fan back in the you know eighties when the shit came out. I loved how they pushed the mythos further. Yeah, so that you, you cool. understood like Leviathan and all this other shit and the um, and having um, oh, what is her name? The main Catherine lady. come back. Is it Catherine? Uh, what's her name? Julia. Julia, yeah. Where she comes back through the mattress and... That um, scene is fucking great. And how, like, this this weird, like, sexuality with oh, all the yeah. gross... It's, like, it's, it ups the, like, gore. It's, it's it's like, it goes a little bit more all in. I, um, I really like that movie. Actually, I like the third one. The third one's kind of stupid. That sort of explains Pinhead's origin a little bit more, correct? I think or, so. I think. Yeah, it's just not... It feels more like a shitty '90s movie with the, like the effects and stuff, or yeah, more so just like like the characters. Like I hate all the characters I don't like, mm. but there's like some interesting gore and shit like that. There's some cool visuals, but I think the first two are really great. After that, it's really kind of hit and miss. I mean, I think Kirsty's a really interesting character too. Yeah, well, the third one's a, she dies in the third one. Yeah, 
which is like, and I think she might come back later. But it's Heather Loggenkamp, like, Nightmare on Elm Street three, dies in the third one. Yeah, you know, yeah, like she's not in there very long. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, granted, she's not in the second one, but we won't. Uh, the second one is just gay propaganda. This <laughs> yeah, is a gay movie. <laughs> if you watch any yeah. documentaries about yeah. it, even the people that are in it yeah, are just, just like, like yeah. I can't believe this was made because it's so overtly <laughs> yeah. homosexual. But that's cool. Happens, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then for and then in four, Kincaid dies immediately. The black survivor dies within the yep. first like ten minutes of the fourth movie. Yeah. Yeah, and Patricia Arquette. I don't think she's not. She's back recast. She's recast. Yeah, because yeah, she was already doing True Romance, and yeah, she's on a. Yeah. She was my crush for uh, very many years after True Romance. Jesus. Uh, yeah, Georgia. Well, Alabama is where. Yeah, she's her yeah, name's yeah. Alabama. Yeah, I was thinking of Georgia Peach. I think he calls her a Georgia Peach. Uh, Dennis Hopper, I think, calls her Georgia Peach when he meets her. Yeah, he's, is that uh, the? Um, he's Christian Slater's dad in the movie. Yeah, what's the? Um, doesn't he have a? A monologue in that too oh god his monologue with christopher walken is incredible where he explains to christopher walken is that the sicilian? sicilian yeah yeah oh god they were spawned by yeah. oh man <laughs> it's it's good i actually recently showed my, uh our good buddy austin that movie for the first time hey, you've never seen it no it's funny though you think like yeah that movie is like 91 92 if you're but it's like, like it's tarantino's first script but a lot of people don't know that which is weird oh really yeah, I don't think I don't think it's like common knowledge. Okay, it's it's common knowledge to us because we were in like high school and stuff when that movie came out. That's the first Tarantino thing I saw. Mm-hmm. Like before, you know, um, Reservoir Dogs, Reservoir Dogs, or yeah, anything yeah. before Pulp Fiction, anything. And then Tarantino also like think around that time wrote Natural Born Killers as well. So, but that didn't feel like as much like him as True Romance did. No, that felt like Oliver like Stone all the Sunny Chiba shit like, that was in that. And, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um. Yeah, and then I'm trying to think. I, again, I have actually been. I was told Mark after like doing the neurosis stuff. Um, I've kind of just been listening a little bit more music, but also like reading more. So I kind of like been diving into some uncanny X Men. I'm 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 in a pretty good good spot right now. I've made it through the Paul Smith era of art, and now John Romita Jr. has just jumped on board. I like the JRJR stuff that's, a lot. That's a real good run. Um, I don't know if you saw. I've got a. Back when nobody cared about comic book art, mm-hmm. I got this. Uh, they used to put out these things. They were called plates. It was basically a yeah. bunch of art prints. And I found it for, I think, $3 at a comic shop in uh, Clawson. And it's a plate of the John Romita Daredevil. Oh, yeah. And I was just I always like, liked oh, that run he had on Daredevil. Yeah. It was really cool. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think, like, as a place marker, Rogue just joined. So like okay. Rogue just like defected from the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, mm-hmm. and that's where. And like, what year is this? Probably eighty three, eighty four. It always weirds me out how early all that really important shit happened. Yeah, well, <laughs> and now what's happening is the they're starting to have the Senate commissions, and they're you could see like they're starting to build the tension of like the anti mutant so stuff. And this is what they pulled in that first X Men movie too, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and you've got which was two thousand, um, yeah, ninety nine thousand. Yeah, it was the first of like the Marvel movies, the Marvel revival kind of. Because I think it pre, I think it came out before Spider Man, the first one. Yeah, I think X Men yeah. was first, then Spider Man was second, right after that. Um, it was the first of the Fox X Men movies. Yep, yep. 
Oh, they're about to create the um, spoiler to anyone from 1984 X-Men. They're about to introduce Forge. Okay. He's about to show up and he's going to have the gun that's going to knock Storm's powers out and turn her human Mm. for a while. And then the Morlocks just showed up for the first time, too. That's also pretty cool. You know, I have like a lot more sympathy for the Morlocks now because I kind of understand who they are and the sort of refugee sort of thing that's sort of going on. Whereas I think when I was a kid, I was like, who the fuck cares about these dumb, like the Morlocks just seem like the like useless mutants that were like always in the way. You yeah. X Factor and shit we're always dealing with them. So, so I've just been doing that. I've been rewatching a bunch of Survivor seasons so that I can like get caught up on grading because I can kind of have that in the background and. It's a worm blanket. That's yeah, your... it's weird for me because I I normally have been you know piling through so many movies, but I kind of like hit a pause button a bit. I think what happens too is when I'm teaching rock and roll history, I tend to listen to a lot more music, and when mm-hmm. I'm teaching my film class, I'll like I restart my film class next week, so I'm probably going to be like back in back the in that mode. movie mode a little bit more and stuff. Um, yeah, plus just... it's like a time thing. Like, do I have time at night after teaching to like watch a two hour movie? Man, that's the you thing know. is like I normally don't. I watch like some some YouTube bullshit or I'll yeah uh, just whatever random stuff I want to watch. But it's not when I sit down to watch a movie. Well, I did watch Lethal Weapon one, two, and three. Mm. What's what's your favorite out of those? Things? And four. I don't know if I ever saw four. I'll be honest uh, with you. Four is the one with uh, Renee Russo where oh she's Renee Russo's and, in three, correct? She's in she shows up in the third one. I think at the end. Okay. Or she's like. The third one's like where yeah. they, they go too much Joe Pesci, right? It's yeah, like, they, like they cut it back a little bit on four. Okay. okay. Um, but they're all Richard Donner directed. Yeah. Um, but I was surprised how emotionally invested I was in these stupid characters that yeah. I hadn't really thought about in a long time. I'm just curious, out of the first two, what was your favorite? Because I, I, I have like a real distinct opinion on this, but I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are. <sighs> they start to blend. I think the okay. I think I like the first one the best. Okay. I'm a two apologist. But that's we're just two's got the toilet explosion scene, which I just fucking see. Love. There's so much good <laughs> character shit, yeah, in that because they were on uh, on Showtime. They okay. just played them in a row. So I was doing other shit, yeah, and I would come back and forth. But I was like, God, I, I, one's I, got Gary Busey though, so it's 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 tough. Yeah, it's like, like toilet explosion as a crazy scene. assassin yeah. guy. Uh, I mean, you got the isn't the the South African dude in the second one. I'm pretty sure. Uh, like the, yes. Yeah. yeah the, the there was a whole apartheid thing. Kind of thing. Yeah. Which I, you know, as a history dude. Which I even they set up in before any of that, any of those people come up. There's like a, a anti-apartheid thing on their uh, refrigerator uh, at uh, Glover's family. What's, what's his uh, Riggs? Murtaugh. Murtaugh. Murtaugh's house. I love his family. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's all. It just seems like a real uh, the condom commercials in two. <laughs> Whether they're watching the daughter or whatever that is, yeah, yeah. I watched two a lot as a kid, but they're yeah, they're just like yeah. I, it's. You don't really know a ton about the characters, but you care about them, and I Absolutely. miss that kind of economy of storytelling. I or uh, like like Mel, they, and after you watch four of them, you're like, okay, when is he gonna dislocate his shoulder? But they they did it in four in like a creative way because he's fighting Jet Li. Oh, that's right, I forgot. And Jet Li thinks he's got him dead to rights because he fucks his shoulder up. Yeah, and then he punches it back in and then you know goes yeah. to town but he's got that extra like vigor because he's got a his wife's pregnant yeah, well, and yeah. she's still kicking ass and yeah, it's she's renee russo it's yeah. a fun it was a yeah. fun, i was surprised how much i enjoyed all of them 
I went on a pretty deep dive uh, during quarantine of kind of the R-rated 80s action comedy. And I, I, I feel like I can really curate that now. If uh, well, throw, throw some... So Stakeout. Um, Paul Newman? No, Richard Dreyfus and Richard Dreyfus. Estevez. Okay. Uh, and Mary... He's got a mustache though, right? Oh, yeah. The okay. Dreyfus stash. <laughs> Both of them do. Both I think I saw Stakeout in a theater for some reason. Yeah, oh, I definitely saw it in the theater. Okay. Um, it has its moments. It's not my favorite of the 80s, but it's it's in like the, the upper echelon. Um, the, the masterpiece, do you know what, what I would say is the... I think there are three R-rated action comedy masterpieces in the 80s, and I'm curious if you can guess them. Uh, I, uh, Beverly Hills Cop? That's number one. Number one? Yeah. That's a that's a perfect film. I don't. Uh, there's not much you can say that like takes anything away from that movie. Uh, it's you're you're very close to Beverly Hills Cop. I'll say that. That's your hint. You gotta think same actors. Oh, and in shit. a lot of ways, it sort of paved the way for Beverly Hills Cop, and Beverly Hills Cop kind of like improved upon it. I think it was released one year before Beverly Hills Cop. Is Nick Nolte in it? Yes. Yep. Uh, Trading Places. No, no. Uh, Trading Places was a year before this movie. So in between Beverly Hills Cop and Trading Places, this movie came out. Jesus, as a number. Ah, yeah, forty eight hours. Forty eight. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. So I don't know if Fletch was a rated an R comedy, but that's I would throw that as an action comedy. Yeah, it's as well. got some action kind of qualities to it. Yeah. yeah. And then the third one is Midnight Run. Midnight One. That's that's number two for me. It's like right below Beverly Hills Cop. That's I as a kid I really didn't like um Charles Grodin. Charles Grodin at yeah, all. You're not supposed to. He's a heel. He's a wrestling heel. Well, I didn't I didn't like him in any capacity. I remember oh, okay. seeing him like on talk shows yeah. and I was like, "Why why do people think this guy's funny?" Yeah. And then I was like, "This guy's fucking hilarious." <laughs> that movie's just Robert De Niro's like, like even those level. those shitty Beethoven movies? Oh, okay. He, he's never great those, in those movies. He? Yeah. Okay. Even though the movies are awful, he plays himself. And yeah. It's fun. He's just Charles Grodin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's just doing shit. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so I, you know, I'm, I'm very fond of those. I guess you could maybe throw Lethal Weapon is like maybe one step a little bit closer to like the diehards. It's more com or more action, less comedy, but it's got a, those elements. I think, there. didn't that predate Die Hard? Lethal Weapon 1 is 87, Die Hard's 88. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I think that kind of set a, a new precedent for. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And it's, uh, what's his nuts? I mean, I think Beverly Hills Cop is kind of the template for yeah. some of that a little bit, you know? Um, but this is the dude, uh, oh God, the dude from fucking Predator. Oh, it's Shane Black. Shane Black. Yeah. 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 And he, I think he wrote all of them with Donner. I believe so. Yeah. And there's that, he's got a very specific style that really kind of resonates. Yeah. With nice guys. Out. Kiss, yeah. kiss, bang, bang. Yeah. Those are, uh, if you, you know, for people the, that I like don't, movies. did you ever watch the newest Predator movie? No, hero. I heard it wasn't bad. People but. fucking lambasted it. Yeah. It's written like a fucking 80s movie. It's really? fun. It's fun? Yeah, okay. I would watch yeah, it. Check it out. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, I revisited, you, you revisit Lethal Weapon. I revisit Tango and Cash lately. You know what? I had a I friend. I Tango and Cash. But. I had a friend that worked at a, or his parents owned a video store. Yeah. They were giving away trailer. That was the first, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like a film strip thing? No, but it was a... Uh, Oh Jesus! The uh, it was like a promo. Oh okay. 
Yeah. That, that had like it would pop up on the bottom like this yeah. is a, a trailer cassette or whatever. Oh, okay. Um that was the first one I got that and then I got best of the best. And I was like, this is so cool. I got like free VHS tapes. I don't know if I've ever seen Best of the Best. It was is a that shitty. Kurt Russell? Uh, no, oh, that, nobody's in the, it. That's the best of our years, or something like that. Like, a, yeah, Kurt Russell's. Yeah, he's uh, he's in Tango and Cash, but oh. Best of the Best is like a shitty kung fu movie that was trying oh, to okay. yeah, yeah. to take off on. Um, oh God, what was it? Uh, kind of like the blood sport kind of Van Damme kick. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't very good, but it was like it was cool at that point. It was so expensive to buy a VHS tape. Oh. And to get one before it came out, it was like, wow, this is, uh, God damn it, I had the term on my tongue and I forgot it. It's not a trailer. Nah, it doesn't promo? matter. Like a promo? Promotional copy? It's a promotional copy, but there was like a term for it. Mm, okay. Like screener? Screener copies. Screener, yeah. yeah. Every once in a while, it'd pop up a thing underneath it. And- I had a screener copy of, uh, somehow our friend Stan got it for me, of uh, the Buffy musical before it came out on DVD. That, like that was Emmy, like, it was Emmy, an Emmy screener. Emmy screener. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stan, Stan always had magical, like he got me that $300 Buffy axe. That's like solid metal. And he bought like two that. on accident. Yeah. Bought two on accident. He's a very nice man. I got uh, the first two seasons of Star Trek, the original series. He's like, Oh, yeah. I bought extras of these. Do would you? I'm so, <laughs> Stan. He also got me some bitching third row Def Leppard tickets uh, for from the casino. So nice. Soaring Eagle, yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of movie stuff, uh, I think the only other thing that I would kind of probably mention is I did see the new Bill and Ted. Yeah, I heard. I I I, I don't I really. I've never it. seen the originals. Oh, really? You so, never did? No. So I never really. Oh, okay. Um, so I mean, I'm aware nostalgia of nostalgia. No, nah, I'm yeah. I'm aware of the. Um, the Carlin stuff, yeah, more than anything, yeah. Wild and, Stallions is kind of fun, and you know, there's metal jokes and, and things like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and I read, I read, or, uh, listened to. A, there's an interview with um, oh, what the fuck is his name? Alex Winter. Alex Winter. Yeah, he's good uh, shit. he's a good dude. I yeah, I, I really, really good I appreciate shit. his yeah. uh, um, like his passion for stuff, and he seems liked, like a really nice guy. I liked where the movie went. Even though I kind of like sensed it might go there, but I was I like, like the daughters, the yeah, actresses. That's that, what I'm saying. That's but I didn't see it. I just saw the, the so trailer. the daughter is in one of my favorite movies I've watched recently, which is Ready or Not. Yeah, um, I've seen that too. She's also in the Babysitter. Um, if you get a chance to see the Babysitter, it was like on. Um, I think I've seen it. I think it's like on Shutter or Netflix, but okay. it's like a throwback '80s horror movie seen mm-hmm. through the eyes of like a kid who's like babysitter. He's like in love with her. She's like neighborhood kid. Like Everybody's she, she treats him, yeah, like the cool kid and shit. Yeah, and then you know she's like she puts him to bed, and uh, he wakes up in the middle of the night, comes down, and her and her friends are like, they're high school kids, and they're basically like sacrificing a human <laughs> for like you, <laughs> and he has to like figure out how to like kind of fight. How like, old's the kid? Oh, he's like eighth eighth grade. It's okay. cool. It's it's a fun movie. I mean, it's not like a great movie, but. But it's her, and I have this mean crush on her because I've watched Ready, Ready or Not probably five times the last like six months. I'm fucking yeah. obsessed with that movie. I like um, the the new the the trend of like these cheap. What's well, Hugo Weaving's daughter, Samara yeah. Weaving? Yeah, but yeah. like these cheaper character driven pieces that like I, I don't need to have a two hundred million dollar movie yeah. with a, a bunch of CGI. I just want to see some like well written, yeah, cheap 
exploitation stuff. Did you watch, speaking of like shuddery kind of like horror throwback kind of movies, um, did you watch Satanic Panic? No, I watched uh, VFW though, which is entertaining. I haven't seen that yet, I don't think. I've seen it like in the... It's got uh, all these guys that like, oh, that guy from from the 80s, a bunch of old dudes that are at a VFW hall that have to basically protect this kid that comes in that's being attacked by a gang. It's very... Uh, 70s exploitation but it's fun stank panic's kind of interesting there's uh i'm trying to remember what band they're playing it might be like i think it's a merciful fate song one of the metal concerts uh, like i johnny johnny knoxville is like this creepy preacher like it's it's fun it's um it's the girl from true romance from the first season the really the one with the gorgeous eyes that woody harrelson's like cheating with at the beginning um, oh, True Detective? True, what did I say? Not True. True. We were talking about True. Yeah. Yes, True Detective. Um, oh, the chick from Baywatch. Yes. Yeah, she's in it. Yeah, with she, like the the uh, Meg Foster eyes. Just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Meg Foster, but like not weird looking. Like Meg Foster yeah, sort yeah. of scares me. I don't know. I, I As I get older, I find her more attractive. But as a kid, I was just like, God, she's fucking weird. She's Well, she was Evil Lynn. She was... Yeah. She's been a bunch of shit. She was in well, some... They live. You know, yeah, she's in another horror movie I saw recently that I can't think of what the hell she it's freaks, called. But she like she, she doesn't look human. If if well, if I'm ever attracted to Meg Foster, I feel the uncomfortableness that I felt when I was like a seven year old and I was watching V, <laughs> and I was attracted to like the main, uh, the main woman. Yeah, and yet then I saw her eat rats and like peel her skin off and was like, <sighs> like as a seven year old, I didn't know how but to like process sexy. what the fuck was i because i yeah found this woman attractive and then she's yeah that fucked my brain up as a seven-year-old look, look, hellraiser 2 made me think that actress was more attractive too who kirsty or the or julia oh man god she's really not pretty and no hellraiser but there's like this I think it's weird her bad 80s haircut she's got that's like the rod, biggest thing rod stewart hair I yeah think. yeah but also there's this weird like sexuality about her confidence of that's true what she's doing. She, yeah she's definitely better and the british it. accent adds like oh, another 15 okay. percent. Right. yeah i'd right. say <laughs> not wrong yeah not wrong but yeah so that's that's you know with movie going that's it's been kind of slow going but i've been kind of like pushing into some other areas um i have two more and then we can yeah that's move fine on. yeah i've uh i, uh, I've I have uh, i just loaned this to to hundy is a uh, hell comes to Frogtown. oh yeah which is a roddy piper his first movie he did before they live and so Carpenter, so Carpenter casts Roddy not from that movie. He cast him because Carpenter was a huge W. He's a wrestling fan. fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've heard really great things about it, so I'm excited to watch it. And I'm also a gigantic Roddy Piper person. Um, he's in my top five, like maybe all time. He, he's so he's, you you know his like his, his persona versus his uh, well his. He's so fucking charming in this. It's almost like seeing. Uh, God, I'm trying to think of a way to say it where it doesn't sound terrible, but he has like this. Uh, like if you if you watch somebody that had some mental deficiencies act really well, yeah, he's just like so into it. But he's also kind of has that. I don't know. There's there's a certain thing about Roddy where he's. It almost seems like he's been hit in the head too many times. He's teeter on the edge of psychosis. Yeah, at all times. And this is, he's just playing it so, he's so genuine mm-hmm. 
but the story is so ludicrous that it just all kind of and if you love wrestling his act he's like i didn't i didn't know how to act i'm used yeah. to do cutting promos and doing this and so he's just like he's acting to the you know the, the last row <laughs> which i love <laughs> so it's a it's over the top and yeah, then it's yeah. got sandal bergman to a stadium yeah it's <laughs> sandal bergman who's like this fucking dancer who fell into you know conan and yeah this kind of shit and she gets to do this <laughs> the whole premise is retarded it's basically a uh like a mad max kind of thing mm-hmm like a post-apocalyptic thing where Roddy's the only um, the only guy left that has any uh, bullets in his gun, if you know what I'm saying. Oh. He's he's the only v- viable man left. Yeah. So he's got to, like, repopulate the species. And uh, the Sandal Bergman character is basically, like, taking him around to these different women and Dude. propagating. But he's, 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 like, a nice traditional man. He doesn't... I can't just, you know, I can't just turn it on like this. And I got to wine them and dine them a little bit. But now there's, yeah. then they, they find this frog civilization for some <laughs> weird reason. And she has to, at the end of it, do this sensual dance, the the dance of the three snakes. Okay. And you find out the three snakes are the three penises of this main frog bad guy that you have to arouse him to get the three snakes to move. So that that's where we're, we're dealing out of this movie. I think it's an hour and twenty eight minutes. Very nice. I'm excited. It's yeah. it's fantastic. I would highly recommend getting a little drunk before you watch okay. it. All right. But if you like Roddy Piper, oh, it's, it's already going to be a slam dunk. Piper. Yeah. Yeah. And then the the la- what I watched last night was uh, the Plague of Zombies. Okay. The Hammer film. I've heard of it. Yeah. Which uh, the Death Breath guys used. Oh, the yeah. guys for the album covers. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. It's like a it's like a, a zombie. Um, you know the the Haitian kind of voodoo zombie sure, thing. Like I walked with a zombie, the yeah. the Jacques Tournier. It's all it's all fairly thing. you know yeah. standard that way. But it's uh, I'm I'm really loving all that. Yeah, like all shot in the back lot stuff. It's just it's cool, so efficient. But all the actors like just just like Roddy was doing. They like it doesn't matter the material. They like they're professionals. They do a good job with just it. Chewing some scenery. Oh yeah, that's great. Um, a couple podcasts that people, our patrons, might be into. I mentioned the No Dogs in Space one before, um, and you recently listened. I would to the check, Joy Division. Yeah, ones. I would definitely check it out. Yeah, I mean they 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 do the research. It's it's good shit. Um, but one I've really been into, and I don't know, this might have been recommended possibly by Joe Schaefer or Brian Wendorf. It might have been Brian who recommended me the No Dogs in Space one. I think as well. It's called The History of Rock Music in Five Hundred Songs. And it's a British dude. I believe he's British. He's European. I think he's British. But um, really good. Starts with like Benny Goodman. Works up through blues, rhythm and blues. And he selects like a song. And then it, like each podcast like a half hour. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of goes into context. It's like perfect for like, you know, music history, context kind of nerds and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I just did uh, John Belia from Hank Williams Sr., so he's kind of talking about that. And I've, I've been learning a lot from it. Um, Bill Haley in the comments is coming out, Big Mama Thornton. Um, and he kind of like, it's really good. Uh, that's all I'll say. It's it's fun. And they're really easy listens to get through like a half hour. I can get through like one episode on a drive to work. So each half stuff. hour is just one song? One song. Nice. And he is currently in... Episode 115, House of the Rising Sun, The Animals. I'm obviously not there. I'm only on episode like 30 or something like what, that. What's the first episode? The first episode is 
Flying Home from Benny Goodman Sextet. Okay. And he talks about like um some of the the riffs that sort of came out of swing music and stuff like that, like some of the piano motifs and stuff you can hear in like rock and roll and some of the ways that the drummers did some things and mm-hmm. it's it's pretty interesting. So he, nice. he does a really nice job in like connecting like this is why this song is is used and he's really um connect it to the exploitation of a lot like the miscredit that was given to certain people who exploited let's say minority artists who couldn't have a voice for themselves and so it's kind of a a reassessment of like how important is elvis not to you know it's not discrediting elvis but like let's let's really like yeah who was stealing from whom you know like let's kind of and so so i appreciate the candor where where does he fall on the jerry lee lewis front uh, I haven't gotten there yet. He seems. Okay. Oh, the one of the last episodes I just listened to, they were. Oh, John Belia from Hank Williams. Um. Uh, but Jerry Lee Lewis did a cover of it, and so he was kind of talking about some of the comparisons oh, okay. there. And then I always hear Lewis gets a little bit more positive credit the far than fucking guy still alive. Yeah, I know. I'm not crazy. Uh, he ma- married his 13 year old cousin, but yeah, he was it a happens. fucking wild man. You yeah, know, he's different a wild time. Man. Um, they talked a lot about Jerry Lee Lewis in the uh, Lloyd Price episode because Lloyd Price was from New Orleans, and that's like kind of where Jerry Lee Lewis kind of comes out of that scene a okay. little bit more. So, yeah, so interesting. I'm just cruising along, man. I'm pretty excited. They got you know Johnny Cash, Fats Domino, Chuck Berry. I mean, most of the ones you would expect, but then there's there's stuff I don't know like anything about even teaching rock history. So. And then along those lines, one of our patrons, uh, one of my best friends and a good friend of Mark's, a guy named Luke who teaches in Taiwan, Luke Walker, he recommended to me uh, this show. Where the fuck is it? It is called 60 Songs That Explain the 90s. And it came from The Ringer, which um, The Ringer's... I listen to wrestling podcasts from The Ringer, but it has some songs on it that I fucking hate. But I'll, I'll I'll do it. Like I just jump in just to like just to see. And I knew is that a similar format to the other show, like a one song per episode yes. kind of deal. Okay. So um, like Alanis Morissette, you ought to know. And they really get into like, is it about Dave Coulier? Like it's <laughs> it's it seems like a waste of time, but it's actually like I'm learning like a shit ton. Uh, they did one on Wu Tang Clan, Cream, uh, Missy Elliott, uh, Guns and Roses, November Rain. Uh, Ghetto Boys, mind playing tricks on me. Honestly, one of the best episodes, and like I have so much more sympathy for her now after learning about this. But like, was the Mariah Carey "All I Want for Christmas Is You" mm-hmm. and talking like about like where her like the shit she went through as a, a child and like her first husband that like locked her up in her home and like oh Jesus yeah like really fucked up shit and like I don't know she's I've never been a Mariah Carey fan. I well, appreciate you know that, her talent, but that's that about song. It is uh is kind of notorious as well there's like youtube people that have done these like essays about how that that's really the only successful christmas song to come out since like the fucking 50s the 50s or 60s yeah, yeah that actually like penetrated and it's yeah. like a, a, a on a music lo- musical level it's a pretty brilliant that's song. and that's the whole breakdown yep yeah, yeah. um I even listened to an episode on Master P. Make him say, uh. <laughs> I still remember at the, if anybody remembers the store Big Lots. Yes. They had a, a 12-inch talking Master P that was there in the 90s. I still regret I didn't grab one just to throw in a box and 
pull out 20 years later just to have fun with. They make the claim he might be the most <laughs> successful independent record promoter, record producer in history. Oh, yeah. The, uh, His label. Did you ever watch? You watched Hip Hop Evolution? Yeah. He, they talked about him a lot in the last one. Yeah. Last, uh, like I don't the know third if I series. finished the third series, maybe. That's where they talk about trap and all that kind of stuff, okay. too, that I didn't I really I don't think I know much about it. One. It was yeah. good. I think I've good. done the first two seasons. But yeah, it's I, all it's banger. Yeah. And I, yeah, yeah, they always are really good about everything. So, so I've been kind of like going down those rabbit holes with podcasts and stuff, too. So I haven't watched as many movies lately. But, uh, but yeah, when it comes to sort of music, um, Mark and I basically, each little set we're going to play here, we're just kind of uh, playing a couple tunes for each other and uh, just kind of, you know, riffing off of them a little bit. So the first set we're playing, um, and sometimes we don't know these songs. So like Mark has, hasn't heard all these songs, or maybe if he has, it's a long time ago, and vice versa with me. Um, so Mark, here's what we got coming up. We got a band out of Austria, and they're on the Van Record label, which is the label that was a lot of the bands that Chris took us through when we did the German metal kind of thing. the v centura the produced v, stuff yeah. yes and v centura plays guitar on this this uh song and they're really they're just different than some of those other german ish kind of bands of that is ilk. this a uh burl ives cover uh our, silver and gold yeah i don't i don't think it is <laughs> okay but perhaps it could be okay um the name of the band is our survival depends on us which is okay sounds like a hardcore band from yeah, the early 2000s no Name of the album is Melting the Ice in the Hearts of Men. And they actually have a song on here. I don't have the CD kind of in front of me, but um it's like uh it's like lower class blues or something like that. It's really interesting. It's about like the exploitation of like working people. It, mm-hmm. Like there's something kind of like esoteric about these guys a little. Um You said they're Austrian? Yeah, they're Austrian, and um, name of song is Mark alluded to is Gold and Silver. It's it's pretty epic, moody. Uh, so it's kind of like if like Primordial met like Neurosis. Um, in fact, Alan Averill sings on another tune on this record from Primordial. Who also has a podcast. Uh, oh, does he? Yeah. Is it good? I haven't heard it. I haven't either. He got a hold of me about four or five years ago asking me about oh, equipment. Oh, he told me that, yeah. No. <laughs> Uh, but really what it's all about is the last couple minutes. It's a, it's a longer song, but the last couple minutes build, and it's fucking tense and really, really awesome. That's kind of where the neurosis kind of aspects start to come out, um, the repetition and, and, and stuff like that. You you listen to this. Yeah, uh, we just, yeah, we listened yeah. to it a little while Did ago. You have I was any, reading burritos. Any, yeah, was reading, any, any thoughts that kind of came to mind on first impressions? It's just that whole, I'm really kind of impressed by that whole scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know what to really call it. What did, what did we call the the series? I don't know if we just German uh, underground metal or something. Yeah, you know? yeah, but like, know. but the yeah, like these guys, like uh, Ruins of Beverass is one that really just kind of stands out for being yeah. um, Ascension, really ch- Chapel yeah, Disease. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a ton of these of bands, but they're yeah, just the like the it's weird that everybody's kind of has the same like a similar kind of aesthetic, yeah. but nothing really sounds the same. Yep. That's a really interesting. They're all being scene. driven to be like individuals. You know, yeah. Like, I put Triptychon in that too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like Swiss, Austria, German kind of thing that's happening. It's there. weird, like art house. Uh, Shamish. Shamish is like really yeah. kind of interesting as well. They're kind of part of that. Yeah. Uh, um, Dark Fortress could be yeah. thrown in there too. And yep. um, yeah, it's just interesting stuff all around. Like, not it's, stuff I normally would go out and, you know, jump headfirst in the scene, but there's definitely some interesting bands out of there. It's almost like bands that like 
listened more to Into the Pandemonium than they did like Morbid. Yeah. In a way. Like they love they probably love both records, but they're like like they spent too much time within the pandemonium and it rubbed off in like a weird way. They're very it's so weird to like German in that area bands are very distinct. Like the there's there's either like this uh like technicality or this weird uh experimentation that's just borderline like kind of professorial. That's yeah. it's just weird. It's I don't even really know how to describe it. Um but yeah, Germany's done a lot of weird shit that they got to kind of deal with art to kind of make amends yeah. for. So <laughs> it's true. as, as a, as a person of German descent, I'm yeah. going to pretend I understand, but, and then we got a tune from you, uh, fate's warning, mm. not from the band not the fate's band. warning, but from, uh, I would, I would say the only iron maiden record that's lacking the traditional personality that we normally get from iron maiden records. Okay. I think you could go through everything, every record in the discography, even virtual 11, Mm-hmm. And say that they sound, they have like a cohesive sound around them. Like you listen to um, uh, Seventh Son, mm-hmm. very yeah. You know every song that that you know it, everything has that kind of aura around it. Um, or even like the, all the post two thousand stuff, you can it has the the Maiden vibe. Sure, this feels like a band in in flux. In and this is where Dickinson, even with. Um, with their next record, Fear the Dark, I feel like Dickinson and Harris are kind of at odds with each other, and Dickinson wants to go in this way that's a little bit more Ian Gillen hard rock. Um, and there, there's a lot of like Hooks in You and um, Holy Smoke sound like Ian Gillen wrote the lyrics and the vocal lines for it. It's yeah. very, very like that. Um, but this song is much more kind of falls like it seems like it falls back into the um, Seventh Son. Okay. kind of more leanings but this is a record that i go back and i've listened to a fair amount just because it was like the redheaded stepchild of the whole well I, I, this probably stands higher to most over the blaze bailey stuff just because it's dickinson but um a lot of the stuff some of the early, the earlier maiden stuff that i would actually was listening to was like the real dead one the real live one live records that came out in the 90s that made so me you kind heard of, a lot of those songs live yeah yeah um but this, yeah, this record's just kind of, it's it's one of those like lost things you don't really listen to much. So it's, hmm. I I pull it out and it's interesting, yeah. you know. I uh I have not pulled this record out in a long time, so I'm kind of curious to sort of see where this goes. So, cool. So let's do it. We got gold and silver from our survival depends on us from 2019, and then fate's warning uh from this band called Iron Maiden. No prayer for no dying, prayer bro. Dying. Yep, enjoy.
Fate's Warning from Iron Maidens, No Prayer for the Dying, and then Gold and Silver from Our Survival Depends on Us. Um, that was a fun song. Yeah. I, I liked it. Darn Maiden. You know? Yeah, I mean, I just don't <laughs> spend much much time with that. I skip yeah. right to Fear of the Dark, so it's I'll have to pull that out. It's it's a weird in between because Fear of the Dark is pretty well. It regarded. feels like a yeah, yeah, and it feels like like most of those songs they still I think they played Fear of the Dark in their set list for the last thirty five years mm-hmm. or thirty years or whatever it is. Yeah. But did I think did we mention it's the first Yannick? No. Yeah, yeah this is the first album without uh Adrian Smith. Yeah. Which is uh that's a tough road to hoe without him in the band. He's uh like kind of centers that band in a or yeah, grounds them, I think. Because you have pretty strong personalities with Bruce and Steve. Yeah. And Adrian's like a Adrian's a great songwriter too. Yeah. Um, this is yeah, this is kind of a couple years a uh, tattooed millionaire will happen. Uh, I think maybe the same year as um, Fear of the Dark. Fear of the Dark. Yeah. And then he goes on to do, you know, uh, Accident of Birth, which has yeah. Adrian together in that kind of like I'm sure Was Adrian on Chemical Warfare or just Roy Z? Chemical Wedding? Chemical Wedding, yeah, yeah. I don't remember to be honest. Just Roy, I know Roy for sure, but yeah, I can't remember. Huh. he might he might have come on to do solos or something too. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I'm sure those other guys heard that and was like, "Fuck." <laughs> so we're gonna keep our journey. Uh, we've hit three countries so far. We're gonna hit a fourth, fifth in this next set, fourth and a fifth. Um, and so we've got um, a Finnish band, and this is a band I I think Chris. Chris or I both like discovered it right around the same time. And then like, I think we threw it in the group chat with the three of us to sort of be like, Hey, check these guys out. Yeah. It was reinforced by, um, Sarah Kittingham. Oh, Kittingham on, um, really banger as well. Oh, she talked about it. Yeah. Okay. It was like one of her top Got albums it. of the year. Yeah. I don't know. Like I never watched that. Um, it's rare. I, I should, but I don't. Well, I'm a YouTube guy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. most of the time. It's like, no duh. Yeah, but every once in a while, like the the, the stuff that that's not like the main review, and she has like really good taste. So sure. I was kind of like, oh shit, I heard about this from, and they played a little clip. Sure. So I was like, oh, I heard this from. Well, I follow these guys her on too, Facebook, so. so I see like stuff she posts on Facebook and things like yeah. that, like recommendations there. I just don't have time to watch the the, the actual videos with it, but uh, yeah, this band's fucking brilliant. And it's not their debut. They they put out a few others, but um, Hava Havaruk. Runio. I don't know. Runio? Runio? What do you think? Havrk Runu? Uh, let's go with Mark's pronunciation. They're Finnish. Um, so, sorry. Yeah, I have no idea we've what offended. it means. We've, if, if any of our patrons are Finnish, then we offended you. It's there. a difficult language. It's very tough. I um, hope that that has something to do with havoc as a root word, but it probably doesn't. Perhaps. Just because we're I, I was talking about X-Men, runes. but... Too like it's True. like you know drew you know pagan rune. Kind you of gonna thing. try to uh, say the name of the album? Um, Oinos <laughs> Siomen Sota. It's pretty good. Okay, yeah. and the name of the Titar? song Pojolan Titer. There we go. Yeah, that sounded confident on my part. I think that's I all you need that is one. just confidence. Doesn't yeah, matter if it sounds false good. False sense or not. of confidence. Yep. But this band has like a like the best uh, kind of like melodic parts of a mortal. And I, and lots of Viking bath era Bathory, Bathory, like yeah. that. That was the. I think Chris interviewed this guy for something. Oh, did he? and okay. he was saying this. The Bathory is the number one 
yeah influence and a lot of later bathory stuff yep that we kind of dismissed kind of wrote the the viking hammer heart and, and well this is even post yep like uh octagon and requiem and blood on the uh blood on ice blood on ice yep um there's even like uh one of the things i detect is do you ever listen to ukrainian band drugged uh, I'm aware of them. I haven't okay. listened to them much. Pre- some of the records are pretty good. There's a record they have called Blood in Our Wells, and th- this kind of reminds me of that as mm-hmm. well. But then this also has this other weird thing going on, which is like this kind of like cock rock swagger, cock rock solo kind of thing. Like a very Finnish. Yeah. It's like what you hear in like sentence. Like Bodum. Bo- yeah. yeah Bodum. Things like that. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, and I think that like I wrote that's kind of like connected to like the Finnish like nature. It's like that, like virtuoso aspect. That's like part of, yeah. Some some something it goes back to the Hanoi Rocks and or yeah, something. Exactly, yeah, exactly. But the main riff in this song is just just fucking smokes. Really good. I listened to this uh, record probably like five or six times in a row, just as I was you know drawing clean stuff. house. And yeah, it's just yeah, it's just so like triumphant and it just it's just fun it's a great yeah. record yeah if you like uh you know enslaved bathory mortal you know i all those you know this is yeah you know it was sold out for a while so like it, well the, it, the lp is sold out because it was only like 500 copies yeah or well the cd was gone for a while too like chris and i had to like hunt it down i'm stuff like kind that, of surprised so. they haven't been signed to a larger label yeah maybe they're maybe that's kind of part of their appeal is that they're still yeah. kind of I love their album covers. There's like it's, a lot of it's great, like the really cool aesthetics to what they're doing. Like the their gang vocal mm-hmm. type stuff. That's like if, if you have like three Allens from Primordial doing vocals at once, it's that kind of like the, the. I think the whole album starts off that way, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like this chant. That's this is sort of what I I think in my heart. This is kind of what I want a Monomarth to be, but they're not. Like yeah. Amount of Mars good at what they do, sure. but like this is what I actually want Viking metal to be. Yes. I would um, agree. So no no disrespect to Amount of Mars. They're good at what they do and they're making lots of money. So good for them. I, I am but constantly <laughs> amazed at their popularity because they have not they have not given up anything as far as like intensity. Yeah. It's like I fucking barking. Yeah. It's good good for them. Yeah. Like that's that's great. I just yeah. I don't understand same with Behemoth. I don't yeah. understand the appeal yeah. to other people, but it just works. It's great. It's, I think it's a lot of aesthetics too. Yeah. That helps, you know. It's so. easy to understand. Yep. The Yeah, they're pretty literal with <laughs> some of the shit they're yeah, doing. Yeah, the, the lyrics aren't incredibly deep. There is a good if you uh want to kill two hours, there's a really good documentary on YouTube. It's probably taken off one of their DVDs or something. Oh yeah. Um that's just the history of the entire band, which is interesting. Yeah. I, like I said, I used to be in Amount of Marth back in like the 90s, like the first couple, but then I just kind of... Yeah, I went back... Twilight of... Uh, uh, Thunder God. Thunder, yeah. that's That was like the last one I think I really like gave a shit about. I think Fate of Norns is the last one I listened to. Okay. Um, but I went back a couple months ago after I watched that documentary and listened to some of the early stuff. And I was like, it's fun. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Um, I still like Unleashed better and Enslaved, but if you're going to you talk about Viking Metal Purity... I feel like they had more like of the Gothenburg in their early records. They like, did. Yeah, I think so too. It was yeah. A little bit more of that. It was more interesting. It, it really, I think what got them popular is that it got, it slowed down mm-hmm. and it got simple, it's which what, it's like when in flames did. Yeah. But, but I, I, I like some like, of the, I think I like newer amount of Marth probably than newer in flames. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. 
whatever. I do that, like that uh, doesn't mean much, but <laughs> I like I like some of the insla or the uh, in, in flames that's kind of crap. Yeah, like the two thousands ish. Come clarity, come clarity and mm-hmm. um, I don't. I didn't. I never got the whatever that playground one is. I never listened to that much, yeah. but I kind of like some of the stupid shit that they did. I don't mm. buy it, but yeah. if I hear it, it's like, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I don't know how familiar I am with... I've heard Come Clarity like once. That, that's all. It's all right. Yeah. So I mean, I still like the earlier stuff better, yeah, but... that's that's where it's at. Um, and then we got one that you picked out, which I we're also... Back, hey, we're in the United States. Fan. Yeah, so now we've gone... 71-year-old man from uh, California. So we got England, Austria, <laughs> Finland, America. Definitely the oldest guy yeah, on, on this show. list, I think. Yeah. Uh, also, pretty, uh, pretty uh, decent. Zudo. Just kidding. <laughs> Udo's, yeah. uh, he's up there. <laughs> yeah. But this guy's also he is a pretty popular filmmaker. Oh yeah, perhaps he made uh, Escape we, from L.A. I don't know if you heard about that one. I think we were just talking about uh, They Live earlier. Roddy yes. Piper. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, John Carpenter's new record, uh, Lost Lost Themes Three, uh, Alive. Where the hell is the Alive After Death? Alive After Death. Twenty Twenty One. This is more Iron, Iron Maiden connection, kind of. True. Yeah. This is his son and his godson yep. uh having a good time making lost themes and it's a wonderful record. We've seen the, we've seen him and his son live. I've seen him It was awesome. Twice or three times now? Okay. It's it's just a joyful gleeful experience. It's yeah. fucking amazing. Yep. He's up there having a blast. I it's all I love his like little kind of old man dance. And like when they, they do the they live song he puts on the sunglasses yeah. and they got shit playing behind him, but that's like he's one of the first like auteur directors I ever understood as a kid. Is like, oh, he does the soundtrack and the that's yeah. like because I didn't really get into normal like rock music until a little later, but he was one of those early guys that I always yeah, just loves yeah that stuff for some reason. But yeah, this is it just came out uh I don't know, like a month or so ago. Yeah, I think last time I was here, I picked it up on my way here when we were yeah recorded, it came out the day uh, we did the neurosis the neurosis interview. interview. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And record a sentence that night, right? I think. Yeah, we did the interview. We started sentence, sentence then we did the interview, then we yeah, yes. <laughs> had a couple of drinks, yeah. then we did the sentence interview. So, but yeah, so I'm I'm kind of pumped. I, I I do dig this record. I told Mark I I put John Carpenter on in the background when um, my kids are like doing like group activities. It's just nice blended instrumental. Yeah. And it's nice that this has like become a whole. Yeah, the like synth, subgenre, the synth wave, Carpenter Brute, you know. And luckily, kind he's kind of like reled that march in a mm-hmm. you know good way. So absolutely, absolutely. So let's get into it. We got Pojolin Taitar <laughs> from Havarukruno. That sounded more. That that, that was sounded pretty best. good. That was it. Let's yeah. just go with that. Just sample that shit, and then John Carpenter skeleton. <laughs> Oh, my God. 
Elton Bojolin Titan. I'm not even going to say the name of the band. <laughs> so, um, next we're sort of jumping into a pair of tunes. Uh, one of these I know pretty well, um, and one I'm just kind of getting into. Um, Chris, I think, turned me on to these guys, and then obviously Mark and I both know the second band, which Mark kind of picked out, and I'll let him kind of talk about the, the new one in a second. But we're going once again, Mark, to another country. Let me see if I can. Is this a Czech or Slovakian? No. Uh, Finland again? No. It's Sweden. a new country. It's got to be a new country. It's not Sweden. Norway? No. Germany? No. It's Nordic. Uh, That's why I picked out. It's kind of fun. Uh, Danish. Oh, from... Yeah, Denmark. The Denmarks. Yep. Sunken. The home of King Diamond. Yes. Yeah. Merciful And Lars Ulrich. Lars, yes. <laughs> Name of the record. It's um, Liv, Liv Slede. And it's Danish, uh, melancholic, atmospheric, kind of black metal. It's a really nice balance of sort of beautiful and angry kind of stuff. Um, some Alsace kind of qualities to it, especially in this tune here, which I'm a big... Like shoegazy stuff? Alsace or? guy. Yeah, some shimmering guitars and, and cascading stuff. A lot of really good build. And about the five-minute mark, this song kind of just like comes alive in a, in a really cool way. And so uh, it's a tune called Delirium. So I think uh, I think you'll dig it. I think, um, you know, Requiem Patreons will, will sort of be into it. I think uh, if you're Agalak, Alceste, you know, the, those kind of bands. Um, and then we got uh, a tune that you picked out. From uh, Necroceros, mm. the made-up word that I like a lot, uh, Asphyx. This is, I think... Uh, the last, this is the first record in probably ten years that hasn't had death in the title. Yeah, but it still has necro, so it's it's still cool. But this is probably their best thing Martin since seems death, the point, brutal yeah. way. I think. Yeah, uh, I really think this record's great. But this three years of famine has, um, I didn't read the lyrics, but it the way that it made me feel was the last three years of my marriage. <laughs> interesting but but this has like some of the like the first couple records have like really heavy doom elements to it yeah and this is a just epic fucking doom song it's this, just incredible you're saying is one of your favorite riffs that yeah. they've ever written there's some yeah. really great shit on this so uh, interesting yeah and this fix like i just feel like martin seems more he just seems more locked in than than usual on this one yeah i don't know um, i just th- some they must have had some type of uh like just kind of like some some something like re and re sparked his vigor yeah. or something. Maybe but. it's like the death metal revival and some of that stuff. Yeah, it's like kind of let, lit a fire under some of the veteran guys or a little bit. Because the Death Hammer was pretty good. I think they might have had one after that. I, fuck, I don't even know at this point. Um, but there's no original members left, just like Napalm mm. <laughs> in this band. So yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Because most of those, the original guys are like what in Hail of Bullets and some other. Uh, yeah, like uh, Soulburn or so, like uh, the drummer and songwriter Bob Backus Bob, is gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's basically like, I don't think uh, he was, well, Van Jernan was on the first record, but I don't think he was originally on the demos. Okay. I think there's a different singer if I am yeah, correct. Yeah, they probably recruited, pulled him out of Pestilence. Yeah. Yeah. And Eric Daniels, I think was the other, was the guitar player. Yeah, but yeah, they used to be a power trio back in back in the day. But yeah, this is a I think this is a really nice, not even return to form, but just a nice sure asphyx outing. There's a couple other things that um you know we, I debated sort of pulling in, and I, I the reason I'm thinking of this is because um uh, 
our good friends and my former students uh, that host the Into the Combine podcast, they um, they were just kind of talking about recent stuff that they've been listening to, and they pulled out Isfix. And they also pulled out the the, the Yathariah. And that Yathariah is, uh, if you were a fan of our Greek metal, um, black metal, doom metal, death metal, Rotting Christ, all that stuff that we did, we played, I think, all three songs from that Yathariah EP because I was so <laughs> fucking into it. And they finally put a full length out, and it's pretty pretty fucking phenomenal. And, um, and then Frozen Souls, which is like the most bolt thrower bolt thrower thing I've heard in a oh, long is that, time. That's a, is that the U.S. band? Yeah, that I played for you. Yeah, they're um, it's where the fuck are they? they're like Midwest, aren't they? I think so. I, Wisconsin. Yeah, the CD's something. like over there. I, I should yeah, have I've had heard. It I heard. Uh, actually, I heard they reviewed it on the the banger. Oh, were they? Yeah. YouTube. I think they got some. I think Relapse put them out, or, or some, or maybe C- I keep. Somebody like bigger, Century Media or, or somebody. Yeah, I think they so. got signed it because they did an EP, uh, EP demo, and then they got immediately signed to Century Media. I got think. it. Yeah, but they're they seem. I think they're really young kids too, which good, you know more power to them. Man, it's cool. I mean, there's no one that does bolt thrower, so I don't mind hearing people doing kind of bolt thrower-y stuff. But I have, well, I have a feeling later on we might hear some st- other stuff that could fill a bolt thrower. Yeah, yeah. There's thing, there's so. a, well, there's one guy left, yeah. but yeah. So let's get into it. We've got uh, Delirium from the band Sunken from Denmark from the album Live Slede from 2020. And then from 2021, we've got Three Years of Famine from his fixes Necro. Necrosaurus! Thank you.
Community 